Life After Life podcast. I want to invite you to become a patron of the podcast. For just five euro per month, you will get ad-free content, video episodes, exclusive events and discounts throughout the year as a thank you for your support. Check out the link to my Patreon page in the description box attached or go to Patreon and search for Life After Life with Sandy Byrne. Hey, hey, hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And with me today, I have a very spiritual Swiss gentleman joining me all the way from Pennsylvania in the United States. And his name is Simone Luthi. Am I pronouncing your, your surname correctly, Simone? Yeah, perfect. Hi, Sandy. How are you doing? And thank you for joining us here on Life After Life, because I was looking at your bio and you have a whole lot of stuff to share with us. And some people are going to find this so interesting because um, just in short, you come from a background, uh, a corporate background, and then your health took a turn for the worst. So can you talk us through how you got onto the spiritual path? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, thanks for having me. And uh, it's such an interesting topic. And we'll, we'll kind of come back to the afterlife probably here in a few minutes. But I think sure. it's important perhaps to just chat about um, how it all started for me really was when I was four years old, I saw an angel and, and excitedly would um, share that with um, other adults. Uh, and unfortunately, most of them said, you know, stupid child that doesn't exist, you cannot see that. Um, and I think I sort of um, just killed my abilities. For me, it was all something that probably didn't exist. Uh, and so fast forward almost 40 years later, um, I found myself uh, with an autoimmune. I was in a, uh, at a, uh, a spiritual um, retreat in the Dominican Republic and all of a sudden gotten sick. So I had pain in my shoulders. Nobody could really figure out what it was. I'm one of those typical mystery illnesses that Western medicine is struggling with. Um, however, that said, um, in my uh, perception, in my life, stuff happens for you. It's just a matter of can we actually see the truth and can we see what it really is that uh, that's happening here. Uh, and in my, in my case, really, that started in 2016 where I couldn't get out of bed. I was completely swollen. My hands were swollen shut, um, couldn't dress myself properly. and um, what you do when you when you're here you go to you know the best hospitals in town and try to figure out whether they can see can they help you um and uh unfortunately they really never got to the, to the point of like what was going on they just knew what was inflamed so i got a diagnosis um of something called a zero negative inflammatory arthritis which means you're inflamed we don't know why and here are some pills go home I'm and pump you full life. of steroids i bet you they gave you <laughs> Bottles of steroids. But Sandy, I have, I have to say, the doctor did one thing and he did me a, a humongous favor. He said to me, um, Simone, you have uh, this medication that I want you to take, but I need you to go see an ophthalmologist because there's a small chance that you could go blind. And I thought, 
my eyes are the only excuse me freaking thing that you know that's working right now why would i even uh chance that and that really started uh kind of the journey of trying to get to the root cause of what made me ill in the first place and um found healing in a clinic in switzerland uh, of all places loads and loads and loads of serendipitous moments along the journey that led me uh to that and the short of it is um as i was opening up to the possibilities of what is there i um did my first shamanic week a spiritual retreat that um was taught by uh, alberto Vialdo. maybe uh, some of your listeners know know of him he's kind of the neo shaman um that brought the the knowledge of the uh, peruvian shamans uh to the western world and he had a program called grow a new body which was basically a combination of nutrition energy treatments uh, and also, um, you know, talking about supplementations and how you can actually get back up and, and, and running more from a natural perspective. And at the end of that week, um, I, uh, we did a despacho, which is one of those celebrations um, of all of it. And I had my hands up and I still remember it vividly. I was standing there, it was just on the, on the border of France and Germany and Switzerland, uh, overlooking the Rhine River. And as we were going through the celebration, energy hit my hands for the very first time now you got to understand so like energy is not just a, you know a tingling it was almost like a water hose would hit my, the palms of my hands and it startled me and i was what in the world is going on um and i asked alberto afterwards and he had this infinite wisdom to say well uh, i think you should develop this <laughs> and so <laughs> like rightly you said I was, I was in the corporate world i was an executive in a financial institution um, I didn't know really what to do with it, but I knew that it was something under, you know, underneath. Talked with a very good friend of mine, um, and his mom was spiritual, and she suggested, well, maybe you should look into Reiki. I didn't even know what Reiki was at the time. So for, you know, the benefit for, for those of you that don't know, uh, it's, uh, it's a Japanese energy healing um, uh, modality that you use your hands. And my reaction was probably like most people would have i was like now you want me to like look into reiki are you all crazy because my entire life was you know raising kids being active in church being uh you know in the corporate world uh everything nicely wrapped up in a bow until it doesn't work anymore and you kind of are confronted with something uh you know that is i guess pass into the unknown uh and it took me almost a good a good year before i accepted the call and, and i just one morning i woke up and said i can't run from this anymore and so then that led to the next led to the next uh, you know over the next couple of years i met a bunch of different indigenous um, healers and studied with um, the caro shamans in peru i've been initiated by a beautiful um, grandmother uh, that is a yupik elder she she was she passed away now but she's part of the 13 indigenous grandmothers and became a shaman myself, uh, started to get more and more into energy healing. Um, and uh, my last part of it uh, really um, has been to become a certified end of life uh, doula or death doula uh, as well. So I would have never imagined uh, in my wildest dreams that by getting sick in the first place and, and starting to figuring out why it's happening that I would end up uh, in this place uh, that I am now, but I am very, very thrilled that I did. Absolutely. And I I think these things happen for a reason. And the timing is, you know, 
thought out in advance you know that almost like you were being pushed in this direction you saw that there were people who couldn't find healing in traditional medicine and you were being called to work in that area but you know not everybody i mean we all see healers and mediums on television that have been doing it since they were teenagers um but not all of us you know do these things from teenagers we have a practical life first and then move across to the spiritual realm and I think there's something important in that because you have experienced ill health and you had another period of ill health some years later, didn't you? A cancer scare or? That's right. Yeah. 2020 for me is a year probably that most of us want to forget about. And yeah. for me, in addition to being in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, that's right. I was also diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, and and mission now or? am completely healed, completely well, not even worry about it, uh, one thing. And, you know, the interesting thing is because you touched a little bit about uh, mediumship as well. Because for me, it was like, why is this happening again? I've always had throat issues all my life. Uh, now I know that I've had some karmic uh, things that are happening and some incarnations that people weren't so nice to me. Uh, you can fill in the blanks. Um, past life regression. What that I might look like, right? Um, yeah. But the interesting thing for me was um, when this started to show show up, I threw the kitchen sink at it. And I have uh, uh, been studying a little bit about soul plans and, you know, how do we actually come into this world? How do we incarnate? Why do we pick all these crazy lives to actually further ourselves? Um, and in my case, um, this is somewhat of a, of a personal and I hope I do not trigger uh, anyone on, you know, that is listening to this. Uh, I'm hoping this is more of, a, of an encouragement. In my case, um, I was talking to this medium and she said, well, um, out of the various um, karmic lessons you can pick, you picked about six of them. And one in particular has to do with suicide. So, you know, you've, you've killed yourself in multiple incarnations. And this lifetime, really, your, uh, one of your lessons is to, you know, die of a, of a natural death. And the most amazing thing happened from that, from the moment that I said I live a long and healthy life and really like use that positive affirmation, stuff started to go away. Um, and as a result of that, I was also very, very interested in death and dying, right? So what, what is really happening in at the end of our lives? Uh, I feel like, you know, we rally when a new newborn child comes in, um, you know, with a midwife and that's all, that's wonderful. But it kind of, we, we've lost the touch a little bit of like what's happening at the end of our lives as we return back because we are never really gone. It's just our avatar, physical body that, that goes away. And so just starting to having dialogues now about the process of dying, what's actually happening with that, <clears throat> and then specifically energetically of what you can do to help someone transition more peacefully. I don't think I would have ever, ever, ever in my wildest dreams thought I would, you know, be in next to somebody at, uh, at the end of their life bedside and performing rituals uh, when I was still in corporate. So my own journey, I think, was really kind of a, a guidepost to say, hey, there's more to it and, and you have more to do in this world uh, than what I thought when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk to you was because of the end of life doula, which I'm going to come back to in a minute. But I wanted to um, touch on the healing again, if that's OK, because um, you talk about neurocellular therapy, which is something I had never heard. I mean, the majority of us would have heard of Reiki, Rahani healing, you know, all that kind of stuff. But 
this is something new. Would you explain to us what neurocellular therapy is? Because it's one of the modalities that you use. That's right. Yeah, I've actually created applied neurocellular therapy as a result of my own journey. So if you think about um, my energy healing, so Reiki was part of it. And then, you know, the, the shamanic traditions from Peru came in. Um, Grandmother Rita taught me a bunch of stuff. Uh, other healers uh, brought things in. And as I was uh, seeing more and more clients, uh, I found something interesting. So there is three types of clients that I that I see. The first is a once and done. They come whether that's a physical ailment or uh, something emotional or what have you. But it, they come in, uh, I see them, and they're better. I never see them ever again. Then I have others that need a few. It's almost like going to a chiropractor. You know, uh, they get better. They kind of have some. Uh, some other things that may come up. And then I have the third most peculiar uh, type of clients. It doesn't work at all. Um, and I was very curious as to what happens there. And, and honestly, as a, as a, as a healer, e your ego is a bit bruised. You know, you kind of feel like you want to help people and then it doesn't work. Um, and I think the first realization I had was it's not up to me. It's not, I'm not the one that is supposed to be healing. It's really the healing needs to be done by the person that's on my table. Uh, and if if that person uh, is not open to it or subconsciously doesn't really believe in it, um, nothing really works. You have to be willing uh, to do your healing part as well. Um, but interestingly enough for me, I was that the topic of like, why isn't this working or can I do something? Um, and over the last uh, two years, um, I've been introduced in some more modern technology uh, pieces. So there are um, devices out there, such as the Healy, maybe some of your listeners are uh, aware of that, um, was um, originally developed uh, by a company in Germany that used it to treat astronauts on the space station. So if you can imagine, you can't bring a whole pharmacy with you there. So um, And the whole vibrational, so plants are vibrational, um, that you can actually treat people over, you know, time and space. That was one. And then the other part of it uh, that I use in my practice here in Pennsylvania is a, is a hypnagogic lamp. Um, so it uses LED and strobe to induce you into kind of a state of, uh, picture it like an LSD trip without drugs. Um, so it is activating your pineal gland and then it works with your four brain um, waves. So the alpha, beta, theta and delta waves to actually uh, get you in a state of complete relaxation, but also heightened awareness. Um, and what I found interesting is that when I put people under the lamp, I, I almost, there's like a, a 20 to 40 minute phase where the, uh, kind of the, the brain waves, the neurological pathways are separated from the cell structure. So my energy healing can then go in. So it's almost like, I know this, this is going to sound weird, but like I can get my whole hand in someone's body to pull tumors out or pull things out. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. So when when someone that actually is on my table that sort of believes that, but maybe not really, but then induced into kind of that this trans med meditative state, you can do a lot more with that. And so that's really kind of been the creation of the applied neurocellular therapy that that I'm starting to promote because I do feel like you know when people come to you and want to heal, well they obviously are here whether they're pushed by their family or whether they want to come so you know and and if they're not there yet intellectually as to like what the healing process is that there are supporting things so it's really 
to round it all up, uh, what it really is, it's, it's modern technology meeting ancient wisdom. So is it like a combination of the, the therapy with the light and psychic surgery at the same time? Or a surgery, as I would call it. But yes, absolutely. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Plain and simple. I, I, I'm just obsessed by a guy called Stephen Turov, who I'm sure you've heard of, who was one of the original psychic surgeons. And, and I was looking at some of the um, testimonials of people that had undergone your, your therapy with the lamp. And I was trying to figure, is there anywhere in Ireland that does this? Because I just want to do it. And I'm taking it that you're the only one that's offering this at the moment. So the lamp itself, uh, it's called Lucia number three. So it's also two German engineers that have done it. So there are, um, and we can maybe share the website afterwards as well. There are other therapists around that use the lamp, but not necessarily in that context, right? So some use them more for, as I said, light journeys or meditative uh, uh, states. There is a study by the University of, uh, of Brighton uh, that put some product people through that felt and found that people are more creative when they are there so it's around you know test taking and anxiety and things but the way that i use it uh, i think i'm probably the only one uh, at this at this point yes wow well you know what i'm just going to tell my husband that i have to go to pennsylvania there is just no two there ways you go. about it <laughs> anytime anytime you're welcome anytime so I love that. And I would encourage people, you know, to go to uh, Simone's website. And I, I mean, I have it on screen for those of you who are watching on video, but I will put it in the description box below as well, because just to see the people and how they talk about it and how they look after the sessions, they look like they've been, you know, resting up for like 20 years, you know, and I, I want to look like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, it's, pretty, now, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I wish you could do that online, but um, you do do healing online, don't you? That's right. Yeah, I, I offer both remote and in-person um, healings as well. Yeah, and probably the biggest one that I found is what I would call spirit entity removal. So I do a lot of house clearings. Uh, so as people have weird things happening, stuff breaks all the time or, you know, can't sleep um, or just, you know, lights going on and off. Um, so I do a lot of energetic house clearings uh, these days worldwide. Okay. Oh, you go worldwide to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little bit, I guess, what I would call Ghostbusters in in, <laughs> in, in some. Well, I do believe that there can be energies in the house. Um, I make no no secret of the fact that I don't believe in the, you know the negative energies, the poltergeists, and all that. But I'm open to hearing anything because you know we don't know everything, and just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. But um, anyway, that's a whole other topic. Because what I really want to delve into today is the end of life doula, because here in Ireland we would have obviously birth doulas, which is you know what people would have heard doula um, used with. But um, I became aware a few years ago and I did consider it myself, except I think I'm too soft of a person to help someone prepare for death. So I would love to hear what's involved in being an end of life doula, if you could explain to our listeners uh, what it is. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so there's a couple of organizations out there. One that I would uh, definitely recommend for someone that's looking into, uh, there's a person with the name of Suzanne O'Brien. Um, that uh, lives in New York and she has um, 
um, initiated to Doula Givers Institute, and there is the International Doula Givers Association as a result of that. So there's, uh, you know, probably a couple hundred of us now that went through the certification process. Um, and, you know, she really comes from, she, she's, a, she's a nurse, she was an oncology nurse, she was uh, a hospice nurse, and really has realized that there's a huge gap at the end of life um, of people that just don't know, you know, what's happening. So families could be completely shocked, right? So you have all of a sudden a terminal diagnosis and you don't know what to do with it. Uh, and then I think there's just a little bit of the unknown uh, with end of life that just uh, scares people. I think there's still a bit of a, of a scare, scaredness that comes with all of this. And so <clears throat> I underwent, um, because I, I wanted to have an official certification, I underwent the certification with uh, with her just recently so that I could put that, you know, kind of out there so that there is a, and, and really us doulas do perform kind of um, one major task. So it's the conduit between hospice and or medical staff and the families itself right so we're kind of the eyes and ears sometimes because i don't know about ireland but here in the us it's all very uh quick and rushed and you know like uh, they're not providing services even when you need a doctor right they don't have all of the things that that come in um and so provide a valuable resource uh when someone um is being told that they have a you know kind of a, a, a diagnosis and and then me personally, I really started with it from a shamanic perspective. So why can't people let go at the end of, uh, at the end of life? So I've seen um, dying patients that just um, don't want to let go, like literally holding on to the bed um, because they are, uh, they're still feeling like I've missed some, something, I've done something, you know, church may have doctrinated into all the sins that we, you know, are grown up with. Um, and so my work really then evolves um, an energetic cleansing of the person and the body so that all this stuff that they're still carrying with them is actually removed from the energetic body itself. Uh, and then it allows for someone to, you know, to pass more, more, more peacefully. Uh, and then the other part of it obviously is, you know, help with uh, advanced directives, um, help with um, wills if they're not there yet, uh, but also life reviews, right? To talk about um, what they have done, uh, things that you want to write out, um, encouraging families to be, um, you know, if there's forgiveness that needs to be taken place, uh, that things can be facilitated in a in a in a sacred container. So there's a bunch of different services that death doulas. Uh, do but I would say you know there's definitely um, these different phases that we're going through that that hiring someone that um, you know that knows what what to expect would be of benefit I would definitely you know recommend it and I I'm glad to know that there is a movement globally as well now that that uh, that we're talking about it more and that there are more folks that want to be equipped with the right tools, uh, you know, to support people with the end of life. I mean, I and, you know, just because it's such a heavy, t it's such a heavy topic, and maybe, you know, it's a good time to just mention that how, how I got into all of this, I had this conversation with a friend of mine. So I've been in, as I said, in corporation in financial services, but in travel. Uh, so business travel, leisure travel, and all these things. And I, I said to her, I go, you know, it's so interesting, I've been spending all my, you know, 30 years career in travel. Uh, and now I'm, you know, doing end of life things. And she goes, no, it's not weird at all. It's like, you know, it's like you're issuing the last boarding pass. 
for someone. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting, right? That we're sort of conditioned, maybe not quite. And, and then when you start to to open your eyes, uh, you know, that, and I found that to be a beautiful um, analogy of sorts, right? To basically go on the, on the next uh, beautiful journey home. I love that analogy, but it's so true. I mean, it, I mean, and like it's so necessary because everybody's scared. And when you get a terminal diagnosis, I mean, touch wood, I haven't had one, but you know, I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, and your head must be spinning. So to have somebody there that's going to take care and just, you know, with a checklist almost to remind you. And at what point would somebody call you in? Is it when they get diagnosed, when their health starts to decline, you know, right in the last couple of weeks? Like at what point would you recommend? I would say uh, for me, it, it varies. Uh, and maybe it's important to also uh, talk a little bit about how we think about the different phases, right? So we, we look at them as kind of three main phases that happen at the end of life. So the first one is kind of a shock phase. So that happens when, you know, you're just told you have this cancer diagnosis and you have four weeks to live. So you're shocked as the patient, the family is obviously in disbelief, you know, doesn't know what to do. Um, and that's really probably the first phase that someone might go, we need help, like we're completely overwhelmed. Um, and that can happen. Um, the next phase is what we would call a stabilization phase. And that's more, okay, we have gotten into the acceptance that it's coming to the end of life. So what do we need to do, right? So in that, in that phase, like I talked a little bit about, it could be about, um, you know, are there things that need to be um, addressed such as, um, you know, highest quality of living pain now is under control but maybe you just want to eat a cheeseburger every day and and not be told what you can and cannot do uh, but also conversations you know saying goodbyes is it's a good time for uh you know for family members friends to come and then obviously the transition phase and i would say the transition phase then for me is um it's it's really the time right before a person dies so it can be um it can be anywhere from hours to days um, and I would say the most cause I get still is in this transition phase when we know it's coming to the end, um, they want to do something, you know, nice. Um, I, in, in fact, I just recently, um, helped, uh, transition, um, an older grandmother that was paralyzed, uh, dementia, can't speak anymore, but just, we, we knew that there was something holding her back. And so in that space, you know, I guess you could call in the old days, you call a priest and the priest would come and, and you know, kind of give the, the last uh, rites. It, it is a little bit like that as well, except that for me, it's more about, you know, playing beautiful music. It's about massaging someone's feet and, and or hands, you know, have good essential oils there. You know, we do a lot of smudging. We, uh, you know, end up doing a lot of rituals. And there's also, you know, the, the importance of allowing someone to go, right? To, to basically give permission, um, you know, to leave. So to, you know, to say any of those phases, someone um, would be calling me, but lately it's been in this kind of transition phase of like, okay, we just want to make sure that this person uh, in essence can, can fall asleep and, and, and pass peacefully. And let go. Do you know, as a medium, the amount of times that I have connected with spirit that have come back and said, you know, you gave me permission to go. And just by whispering to somebody at the very end that we'll be OK if you need to leave, 
it's like they you're giving them that permission to let go and it just lets them leave with you know a clear mind or a clear conscience if you like and it's so important absolutely absolutely yeah and you know um one of the most uh, go ahead no no please continue um, you know, one of the most amazing um, signs that things continue and that there's more uh, with life was, gosh, this is now two years ago, probably one of my first um, ones. Uh, he was a, the father of a good friend of mine. Um, also came home in a hospital bed. Um, he came home to, uh, to die. And so we performed this cleansing ritual and just made, made him comfortable. Um, and he passed a couple a couple days afterwards and his widow uh, called me and said you know this was amazing they you know obviously came in and took the body and uh, she kept the pillow that he was on and took it into her bedroom upstairs and she said at night it was glowing there was rainbow colors almost like a disco ball coming out of this out of this pillow um, and for her it was such a comforting you know, thing to have, uh, and then it was, you know, it faded, 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 and about 48 hours afterwards, it was gone. But, you know, like, you can't explain this scientifically, but the signs are all there. So, you know, when someone really is able to go, uh, and, and, you know, and I could go on forever, there's all these amazing signs, but that was one that stuck with me as kind of just a beautiful reminder that, hey, we're just here, you know, a couple of years, a couple decades, um, and when it's time to go, it's it's just the body that stays back and the soul, you know, continues to live. It does. Absolutely. And, you know, just even while you're talking, just a question that, that popped into my own mind. Is there a part of what you do that helps the family afterwards? And where this question is coming from is a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to a mother who lost her son to suicide. He was 28 years old. And... You know, one thing that she said that resonated with me was that, you know, um, it was the early hours of the morning. She was, you know, called out of her bed and whatever. She said she stood in front of a wardrobe thinking, what am I going to wear? What does somebody wear to go and see their dead son? You know, and like that kind of shock, you know, I don't know. Like, is there any part of what you do as a doula that helps the family afterwards? Or can you be called in in that situation where it's sudden, it's unexpected? Yes, definitely so. That one is a hard one. And my heart goes out to uh, uh, to your friend. Um, you know, I think losing a child, uh, and especially in suicide, is uh, is tough, right? And, and I just now mentioned suicide, right? So it's the irony that now this comes up a second time. So maybe this is something that we are, you know, supposed to, uh, yeah. But I just want to acknowledge how hard, uh, you know, that that must have felt um, for um, for her. Um, in my case, what I would normally recommend is, um, um, you know, can you go and see a medium? Like there's sometimes I just want to talk with someone. I want to know that this person is okay. I want to have a uh, contact to, uh, you know, to the other side. Um, and there's some beautiful people. I'm not sure what, you know, Sandy, whether you're performing that too, but like there's some amazing mediums that I would call as help to just say, can we make contact? And I think just knowing that it is okay and that, um, you know, that, that this took place um, is, is one of the things. And then, um, you know, there's, in, in a sense, the celebration of life to talk about the good days and talk about, you know, how funny someone was and, um, and honor their their life 
you know, I think that's a that's a big piece of it. We sometimes would listen to music and just say like, hey, like let's go through Spotify or Apple Music or what have you, or 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 you know the old LPs and just jam to tunes that this person you know would have uh, loved to uh, uh, to listen to. So there's definitely um, a phase of acknowledgement and also that there's this deep sadness and that it's okay to you know uh, to cry and have lots of kleenex at, at hand um but i think the the question really is you know the why why has this happened i mean i hear that a lot and i don't have the answer um you know um and so that's why i usually recommend right to talk to someone that that may be in contact with uh uh you know just to make sure that um the loved ones are comforted in yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And I get a bit emotional, I can tell. It's a tough, it's a tough one. It, it really is. And, you know, I, I, I spoke to that lady because obviously September was Suicide Awareness Month and, you know, Suicide Prevention Month. And um, so there's a, there's a lot of people sharing their stories. So it is a difficult one. I appreciate that. And, you know, one thing that, that, that you've said several times, you may not have realized it um, and not exactly your words I'm paraphrasing here, but go with the flow is a big thing, you know, in what you do in both in, you know, what you've been through, how you've come through it, you know, and how you work with people, you know, it's go with the flow. That seems to be a mantra of yours. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, um, isn't there this great saying that, uh, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Um, and <laughs> there's, there's truth to that. Right. Um, and when we get out of our own way and start letting life, you know, go. And at least for me, my perception was it's a, it's been a wild ride, but my life is so enriched. Um, you know, after these last seven years, other people could say, oh my gosh, like, you know, what else can you go through? And I don't want to diminish that. There's lots of people out there that are going through, you know, illnesses and, and uh, you know, that uh, that can't be cured. So just for me, I want to I want to just state that, right? So not that I, I come across ignorant, but for me, getting in the flow of things uh, was vitally important uh, to just get out of my own way and really let spirit um, do the things that, um, uh, you know, he, she, uh, has me do and um, you know so now being able to do the work that I do and I like like you mentioned um, I don't no treatment is the same I just uh, look at the individual that's coming what is needed what kind of ritual um, um, is needed uh, to serve this person best and you know to some degree it's also what is the lesson learned in all of this right so you if there is a lesson learned to go through it you don't always want to snap your fingers and make someone better but walk alongside with that person to, uh, you know, to provide insights as to what's, uh, what's, what's coming in. And, and you know, what I would, uh, what I, yeah, right. Um, and Sandy, I mean, one of the things that was wild for me, I don't know about you, um, is developing or realizing that we have these clairs, right? So in my case, I have clairvoyance, I see things. Um, I have claircognizance. I know stuff that I can't know. Uh, and I remember the first time I saw something on a people on a, on a person's body, I was startled a bit. Um, and, but we all have these gifts inside of us, right? So the intuition and the clairs, um, we just kind of lost it. We've been so, you know, in this 
capitalistic Western world and, and all about progress. Uh, but I mean, we survived for thousands of years, you know, prior to that, without the help of, of modern technology. So, you know, the reason I'm bringing that up is, is I think it really is amazing for us to uh, start tuning into our abilities and our, you know, Claire's, our gifts. Um, and I think we all play a part in, uh, in making this a better, a better world and, and uh, you know, whatever you can do to, uh, to support that. Uh, and so for me, um, being on this, I guess, healer journey and helping uh, the collective um, is definitely what I feel deep down. That's what I'll be doing until I'm leaving this world. Uh, you know, but, but I'm not planning on ever retiring. It, this is something that I want to do until I just can't. <laughs> until you, you you fall over and you're gone. Um, and yeah, and you know, from my own perspective, 100%, I mean, you know, the same as you, you said you were four years old, you can remember seeing an angel. You know, I've seen spirit all my life, but then my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my great, they were all readers all down through my family. So they understood what I was seeing. So it was never you know shooed away it was always spoken openly about but you know it was when I got older and started to tell other people like nobody wants to be any different so but what I found is that it was easier to just go along with what my spirit guides wanted because I fought them for a lot of my teenage years because I didn't want to be different to my friends oh did you too oh yeah 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 absolutely and uh you know what i just didn't get a night's sleep for a long long time but um you know when you start to work with them and you know if people are listening and they, they find that they have spirit around and i say to them you know if they're waking you up at night time I, I sit up in the bed and i tell them look it's dark outside my window i still have a physical body that needs to rest but if you come back tomorrow i will speak with you but if you do something like that, then you have to give spirit the time the following day. It may just be 10 minutes, you know, while you're in on the train on the way home or a bus or whatever it might be. But give them 10 minutes to tell you or show you what they wanted to show you. Because as Simone says, go with the flow, you know, because if they want to show it to you, they will show it to you. And if it's four o'clock in the morning, then so be it. <laughs> you will see it you know that's all right but you know it's true though about office hours you know like i had to establish office hours myself because you know otherwise it just never it it, it never quits um and i think that's okay like you said you know we, we we are in this physical world and we do need sleep so uh sometimes you just have to set some uh some parameters you absolutely do yeah 100 percent. but, but what it, was it for you like similarly like i i, I grew up in switzerland and uh I was a teacher's son and teacher is an elective or elected um, official still. You can still boot out a teacher if you don't like them, you know, through through the electoral votes. And um, and I remember that my, my mom would always say, don't be so loud. Like, what will the neighbors think? And, you know, being now what I do now, right, it's almost a little bit like this, this voice comes back of like, well, I can't do what I'm doing, you know, like, what will people think? So I don't know whether you ever went through this. And I think that was the biggest like chains that we had to kind of rip, rip, rip apart, uh, you know, to, be, to go out and feel safe with, with our gifts and abilities. Hey, I grew up in Catholic Ireland, you know, 13 years in convent school with the nuns. Um, so you didn't talk about seeing spirit. It just wasn't done. You know, even though my grandmother and my great grandmother were both readers, you know, they, they were able to read. Uh, but they were still very religious. You know, they still had their Catholic faith. This was just 
something they could do. They were always just able to read people, read spirit. So, and I wouldn't say they necessarily encouraged me, but, you know, they didn't tell me, you know, to stop talking about it, that I was seeing things or anything like that. But yeah, in the same way, I suppose I was probably 30 before I really started to say it to people outside of my family, you know, and start reading for people publicly. You know, I know you're going to say, now, Sandy, you're hardly 30, are you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> but, you know, isn't it crazy if you think about, you know, you talk uh, about church and religion and, you know, I mean, the Bible is full of angels and full, full of, like, you know, angelic meetings and all that. So why shouldn't we be able to see things? And why wouldn't it be normal that there is more to between heaven and earth that we just, you know, can't, can't always pinpoint? You know, I find that... Kind of a peculiar thing uh, of how we as a as a human kind like all of a sudden decided oh this doesn't exist yeah a hundred percent and you know we're we're taught a lot i don't know if you grew up in a christian faith or not but we're taught a lot about heaven and hell and you know purgatory and all but when you you actually apply it to where we are it makes so much sense you know not in the you know i suppose I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's like um, uh, an outside view, like the, the very edges of, you know, what we would see as heaven or hell or purgatory. But there are kind of the different levels of heaven that you can call it hell, you can call it, you know, heaven or whatever. But the seven um, different levels, I suppose, the, the Hindu way, like I really buy into that. And even when what spirit has taught me over the years, you know, it just seems, I don't know if, if that's the way they show it to you, but it's always been the way that they've shown it to me, that there is no hell. There's nobody burning in hell forever. We haven't done anything so bad that we can't atone for it. So, you know, but, you know, try saying that to a priest back, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up in the 1980s, you know, it just wasn't done. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, totally get it. But look, I, you know, and, and this isn't supposed to be a, a church bashing, you know, but I think there is definitely right there is a little bit of the controlling uh humans and and if you can make up all kinds of story to scare people of course you know to, to make them do what you want them to do i think there was definitely in the middle ages you know a lot of that happening um and you know i'm not sure what's what's or whether the same is happening around the world or in ireland where you're at but in switzerland there's a lot of um talk and actually the church having to you know all the sexual abuse and all that stuff that's that's happened over the years that now is coming to the forefront. So it is really, I think, transformational. The church has to finally realize that, you know, kind of the old way of thinking about and priests can't marry and all these things, um, that this is kind of an old an old model. But my point in this, uh, you know, is through my own experiences and studies and, and um, I, see, I see it really in a way of we have this, you know, and by the way, um, great Disney movie if you ever wanted to see it is called Soul um, and and that probably that probably um, it's no it's no kids movie but it's kind of like in a playful way um, depicts or talks about what I believe so like there is a bit of the uh, soul planning so before you incarnate um, you know you want to go all right what do I want in my next incarnation what are all the things I want to experience and do and then as a soul, there's no good or bad. There's no evil or good or, you know, it's just an experience. Um, and so you then pick, obviously, people that 
are going to uh, agree to do certain things to you or, you know, be a part of this learning experience. And then you jump in and you incarnate and you go through, you know, this life journey. Um, and then um, in, in my own case, and I, I'm sure, why are we talking about midlife crisis, right? I was mid 40s when I started to get sick. Uh, I, I really feel it not so much as midlife crisis, but as an opportunity to renegotiate your soul contracts. So it's a, it's a wake up call for you to say, hmm, is this still the life I, I want to do or have I learned and is it time to move on? So, you know, a lot of, a lot of people get their Harley Davidson or, you know, uh, a fancy car or something like this and, and go back to sleep and others are bold and brave and wake up and go, no, I want to change, uh, you know, change my life. I want to do something different. And so then, you know, I, I feel at least for me, this was a renegotiation that I've been able to do to now do what I do. And then at the end of your life, so when you come towards the end, um, I see it as a life review. So when, when you leave your physical body and the soul transitions up into heaven, I'll still call it that, um, we are not going through this, you know, judge stuff. We're, we are the judge, we are the jury, we're the accuser. And we are going to review what have we set out to do? What have we done? Where have we fallen short? Uh, before we then can really go, and I think that's what you're talking a little bit on the different levels of, of heaven afterwards, right? To move on to the next phase. Yeah. Um, and what I find beautiful that I, you know, in a technique that I've learned with the, the Kero shamans in Peru, the work that they are doing and what I've learned is really to clear the sludge of all that stuff. So meaning when I'm able to get in, um, in front or with someone before they pass away and really cut energetic cords, clear, you know, all the old um, beliefs and patterns and all that energetically, I believe that then the process of the life review can go faster so that you don't have to sit there in human time, two, three years to kind of process before you can go. And I find that to be a very beautiful um, thought, really, uh, to say, okay, so if I can help someone to actually get through this and not have to stay in this level or this phase for too long and then move on um that to me resonates uh very 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 deeply but there is i i totally agree with everything that you said but there's another aspect too that you have to take into account because sometimes it can't be done so quickly because um i always say if life is like an exam we won't see the results of it until we leave it behind you know so you know, something that we've done here and some people may not even realize it, you know. So um, something that I was talking about on a podcast recently, it was somebody that I came across that um, was talking about the legal implications of writing one of his children out of his will. And, you know, everybody in this spiritual group that I was in said the same thing to him. And I was so encouraged by it, the people actually opening up to this that, you know, this is something that will resonate for years afterwards. So yes, he can decide to cut one of his children out of the will and he can go over to the spirit world and he can say, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But the consequences of what he has actually done may not be seen for two, three, four or five different generations. So it's not always, I get what you're saying and I totally agree with everything you're saying, but some of those things can't be just 
you know, glossed over or go past very quickly. So there's a lot of everything and I'm not perfect. You know, I, I have things that I'm sure I'm going to have to atone for and, you know, um, make up for, you know, when I get over to the spirit world as well. But, you know, it is like the results of an exam, you know, and that's the way I've always seen it because that's the way I was shown it when I was a little girl by spirit. You know, it's the results of an exam. And with regards to the, 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 I call it the life path or the soul plan, I do Pythagorean numerology and Pythagoras, as we know, he was one of the early proponents of this whole reincarnation, uh, soul plan and everything. So like, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. I totally get everything that you're saying and I agree 150% with it all. Um, it's a complex, it's a complicated thing, something that, you know, we won't get to, to the end of in one podcast, but definitely I think it's something that, you know, the whole idea of the end of life doula, it gets people to think about these things and to say the goodbyes that they need to say and the sorries that they need to say, or take the hugs that they need to take, you know, don't wait until the end. And that's one one message we can leave people with today is don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, that I would say is as we do healing work, we don't just heal ourselves. You know, we really are able to heal generations forward and generations backwards. So like you said, if you uh, have certain things that, that you've done, it can have a ripple effect. But on the reverse side of that, of, of really, truly healing the karmic patterns of a family, we're going deep into, into the uh, ancestral line, um, you know, to heal that as well. And I find that to be absolutely beautiful. If you think about it, like, you know, you and I both are now on a podcast talking about deeply spiritual things, and we probably would have been murdered, you know, a couple hundred years ago of, of even yes, speaking this, that we are no doubt. In this new state right that we get to uh to talk about but but you know i i agree with with the point you're making it's um you know in this and and, and i and i want to acknowledge again your friend with the suicide right when someone dies like that it's really really hard because we always go through i wish i, I would have told him that i wish i would have done that um and so you know even with illnesses that come in i hear this in corporate all the time Oh, puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Uh, oh, we should do more. And then, you know, a lot of us are just falling right back in, right back into, you know, the, the lives. So my encouragement really for those of you that, that are listening is, you know, um, love it up out there. Um, you know, talk about um, what other people mean to you. Don't hold grudges. Uh, it's going to make you ill. It's going to, you know, bring more pain into this world and really like, you know, it, Get out of bed, enjoy the world. Uh, it's beautiful fall, you know, that's coming, the leaves are changing. It's a it's a beautiful time to just thank spirit for, you know, that you're alive and and uh, and you have been placed with people around you, whether that's in your work environment, within your church, in your family, and just really, really, really um, you know, live it live it up, live life to the fullest because we don't know um, uh, when it's gone. And um, and if you are in a tough situation with uh, someone that is uh, has been diagnosed with a terminal illness, you know, just know that there's help out there. So reach out to, uh, you know, a death doula. Maybe we can even put the link in as well. As I said, there are beautiful souls out there that are providing this service. Um, if you, you know, if you need help and uh, and or reach out to me, I'm happy to connect you with uh, with uh, you know people in your in your neck of the woods, as we would call it. 
Oh, that's so kind. Thank you so much, Simone. Would really appreciate that. And just before um, I let you leave, I want to come back to another point that you made earlier, um, that the people that come to you and the people that want this, they need to believe. But I'm going to add on to that. You need to believe, you know, um, that there is a spirit world. You you know, if, if you're going to take healing from a spiritual being or entity, you know, you have to believe in it. But my feeling is that you have to want it as well. You know, and while I love, you know, the fact that you can buy a reading for somebody or you can buy a healing session for somebody, please speak to them about it first and make sure it's what they want. You know, because if they, they're not ready for it, then it's not the right time. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100 percent. And I would add to that. Um, and it goes a little bit into the uh, integrity of the healer community as well. Um, you know, nobody should ever work on someone or heal someone that is a either not aware or B doesn't want it. Uh, you know, I've seen this uh, time and time again, where uh, someone will come to me and say, can you help my son? Can you help my husband? Um, but we, we or I don't have permission from this person directly. And I will always say, you know, I'm so sorry, I have lots of compassion, but I will not uh, work on that because it's our, you know, desire. So, so yeah, I think we're saying the same thing that unless you personally want to heal, um, A, we shouldn't interfere and B, uh, if you're not in that space, um, it's harder to heal. On, on the contrary, if you are willing to heal and absolutely open, oh my gosh, I mean, uh, anything is possible. I believe that truly. I, I agree. And yes, I will put any links that I have. And if there's anything that you would like me to link in the description box here, please do forward it on to me, uh, Simone. Thank you so much for your time. I could talk to you forever because, you know, we're definitely on the same wavelength here. We're coming at it from different sides, but I think we all have the same goal at the end of the day. Um, so thank you so much for giving us your time. I really appreciate it. And um, to everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. And I will see you in the next episode of Life After Life. So until then, take care and stay safe. Thank you. Discussing everything about the afterlife.